0: Welcome to Maestros On Air, presented by the Space Coast Symphony Orchestra. Recorded at Maestros Cafe, located at the Brevard Central Library and Reference Center in beautiful Cocoa, Florida. Maestros On Air is a discussion of culture, news events, and life on the Space Coast and highlights the music concerts, and personalities of the Space Coast Symphony Orchestra. Today's show features President of the Symphony Board, Eric Lee. Now your host, SESO Director of Communications, Bill Trudeau.
1: Top of the morning to you.
2: Top of the morning to you, Bill. <laughs>
1: well, I wasn't just saying a top of the morning to you, Eric. You were? I was saying a top of the morning to Jeremy Hickman, our producer. Oh, top of the morning to you. That yeah. is very
2: polite of you. And our special guest. We have a special guest here this morning. Drumroll, please. No, 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 no. Hey, this is a professional show. We got a better version. <laughs> dr pat Hennessy. that's right uh, director of jazz studies at stetson university is that your uh, correct title i don't want to uh, botch it up
3: it's it's yes director it's the correct stu- title i think and also uh, <laughs>
2: that's trombonist good. with the uh, space coast symphony orchestra plus the new um director of the um, space coast symphony jazz orchestra am i uh, correct
3: yes Something I'm very excited about. It's going to be great, to and
2: we'll be talking about that later
1: yeah. later in the show. Okay, sure. Well, we have an interesting show for you. Um, obviously, our special guest. Uh, we're going to get into DeflateGate here in just a minute, and uh, oh, yeah, I, I can't wait. <laughs> along with Pat Hennessy, of course. We want to get his take on it, um, and we're going to take a look back at Pop's bouquet. Marianne, oh yeah, that
3: was that was
2: a killer. Yeah, Marianne Kruger
1: uh, t- stole the night. what did you say,
3: uh, Patrick? She, she was awesome. Yeah, she was awesome. You know, it's not often you eat. You you even enjoy the singer warming up. Wow, that's it's just warming up. You well, yeah, tell it was going to be something special. Yeah,
2: because she was in the um, ladies' dressing room, you know, warming up. Yeah, and she kept, you know, kind of warming up while we were doing the rehearsal. And I mean, you could hear her over, you know, us playing. Well, the rehearsal. I mean, she was really cranking. I she don't was, think she needed a microphone. She
3: was fabulous. Yeah, it was yeah. really
2: good. I actually
1: had the uh, pleasure of meeting her over
2: at Riverhouse. Really? Yeah. Aww. it was. Uh, she was very pleasant, very professional. I was impressed. Right, and she's yeah. been. Um, how many episodes ago did that Aaron interviewed her? Was about like, like yeah, five. Yeah,
0: I want to say it's about five episodes yeah. ago. So, those of you that have uh, been downloading on iTunes, just go back about. Uh, well, just just search for uh, Marianne Kruger, and she'll come up uh, either in itunes or uh right on the main
2: page there okay. maestros on air.com okay yeah because she was like you like patrick said it really stole the show
1: yeah um and i and i see why believe me uh, but symphony for good we're going to be talking about that oh yeah too. that's going yeah, strong yeah we're going to be uh touching on that and of course our latest our last <clears throat> did i screw that up yes most recent our most recent. No,
2: upcoming. Our upcoming. It's our very last concert. Oh, the ultimate. It's
1: right. our very last right, because concert. because the Pops
2: Bouquet was the penultimate, and then okay. the... <laughs> That's
1: right. It's Boy. our very okay, last concert.
0: This just came to me. I don't know if this was going to work, but we can call this our season sign-off.
1: Yes, you know what?
0: I like that. That's a very
1: radio-esque thing to say. I like that.
0: Plus, all your favorite hits. And three minutes past the hour, we'll do sports and weather. <laughs> right. Exactly. For the love of Pete. Exactly. Um, yeah, but the, the last Earth concert Odyssey. of the season,
1: it's going gonna, it's gonna to be really great. So, we're going to get into that as well. Um, you know, why don't you start uh, the conversation with our special guest?
2: Yes. Uh, I've been looking forward to having <laughs> Dr. Pat Hennessy on our uh, program for a long time. I, as have how, we. Yes. How long... How long have you been around around town? Has it been, what, a
3: couple of years now? No, yeah, it's been almost three years. Wow. That's... I think I got here like September 2012.
2: Right. And then I met you uh, through our mutual friend Don Staples. Yes. You were um, substituting on um, Dog Bones rehearsal. And right. when, that was, what, like four years ago?
3: That was, a, yeah, I think it was 2011. Yeah. Summer of 2011. Wow. We had a... We had a little rehearsal at the uh, at your house. Yeah,
2: yeah, you know.
3: And I had to borrow a horn from Colleen in order to do it.
2: That's right. You see, there. You, what did she, she let you have? The thirty six?
3: No, th- she had a, a, a small a Bach eight or something. Or Bach twelve, I Bach think. Bach 12, 12, yeah. 12. So and she, she didn't give
2: th- you the thirty
1: six.
3: No, no. How dare her! But twelve is about my size. That's it that was about right. Yeah. I I I just come from a conducting institute in Texas, and visited at the invitation of Don. And they, he arranged some things to, for me to play so and get to know people. It was a lot of fun. Yeah.
2: I mean, you're the kind of guy I feel like I've known you for, like, my whole life. I don't know if that's good <laughs> or bad.
3: <laughs> Seems like I've known you for two weeks. That's right. <laughs> I and
2: don't know, know if that's ba- good or bad. <laughs> good or bad either. So His take uh, on it, two weeks, the two-week thing. Exactly.
3: <laughs> yeah. I don't know. All right. So,
2: um, now, you were probably born at a very early age. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> now, I, I was know that right wasn't good. <laughs> what?
1: Jeez. He's, he's our special guest. What are you going to do? You're going to scare him off?
2: No, that was, I thought that was pretty funny. That's one of my standard jokes. You don't know that one? <laughs> no, I don't. Oh, come on. Anyway,
1: Patrick, on behalf of Maestros on Air, I apologize for Eric. Go ahead, Eric. you got to get
2: with it here. I can't believe <laughs> you don't know my jokes. All right. So you're from uh, New Orleans. I'm from New Orleans, yeah, the Big Easy. The Big the Big Easy. Yeah, I was just in New Orleans.
3: Like,
2: <laughs> I was just in New Orleans. I that's think it was good. like in in yeah. March. Yeah. I mean, that's a wild town. New it really is.
3: It really is. It's, it really a, is. It, it's a great a, town, though. A lot it is of fun. A great, town. great food.
2: Yeah, great town. And the thing I noticed was music is like everywhere. It's everywhere. You know, it's like spontaneous. It just you know pops up. Yeah.
3: Yeah, it's on the street. It's like alcohol. You can you can find it anywhere. There. Yeah, the music's
2: <laughs> not just in your head. No. No. That's good. You can be like just walking around, you know, all of a sudden you see like this marching band. Just that's like true. Sh- this the brass rolling. bands,
3: the, the, the people with the cases out, you know. And in New Orleans, it's nothing strange. And they're almost always good. Almost. Right.
2: Yeah, that's true. So when did you get your... So you got your start in music. How'd you get started in music in um,
3: New Orleans? So this is the way... Well... Music kind of ran in the family, I, but I was, uh, you know, I was raised in a foster home, and everyone played music. Okay. Uh, That's cool. My oldest brother was playing saxophone, and, and then my older brother was had played trumpet, and so, of course, the, the same high school band director came calling, because so he's, you know, it's fertile recruiting ground in yeah. our house. Right.
1: Yeah, in one house.
3: In one house, yeah, because there were like nine of us, so, you know. That's great. So. So the band director says, and I never understood why he, he even bothered to ask. He says, uh, so what would you like to play? And I said, well, saxophone, because I thought... Tenor, well, because
2: your brother played saxophone.
3: Well, no, because I thought tenor saxophone was the coolest instrument there was.
2: Oh, it is a cool instrument.
3: And, uh, depending you know, on who's playing, jazz and, you know, mm-hmm. well... It's a very
1: sexy instrument. So he
3: says, well, I, all I had was a trombone. And I said, okay, I'll take that. So <laughs> there was nothing divine inspiration about it. It was like, this is all we have, and this is what you get.
2: So that's how I got started on trombone. Okay. So then um, you started out on trombone, and then you were playing. Were you, did you get any, like, early experience playing other than, like, in school? Yeah,
3: actually, I, re- I actually learned how to play more uh, outside of high school than I did in the school. And that's not to say anything bad about, about the, my school setting. It's just that I was playing this small group. It was, like, four horns and three rhythm. It was a, mm-hmm. kind of a Dixie swing band. Mm-hmm. And uh, and and the the guy that was at the university, he was one of the trombone players who later uh, went went on to Disney World, and then later on became the music director of the Dukes of Dixieland. Well, mm-hmm. he wrote all, the, all of our charts, wow. so I really wow. that was my That's first great. exposure to actually playing in that kind of setting, and really my first exposure. I remember one day asking him what these things were. They were chord changes, but I had no idea what they were called. So I learned a, I learned a, a ton of things, and I played in that group all through high school
2: so you're kind of probably from growing up in new orleans you're probably um attracted to jazz probably from the beginning
3: right from the beginning yeah yeah
2: more so than classical And my brother
3: was really cool about that because he uh, he was very much the legit trumpet player but he loved jazz too and he really exposed me to a lot of the a lot of the records you know i remember the first art blakely out. Art Blakey album he brought home and then he brought home a J.J. Johnson proof positive album for me and, and oh, Frank cool. Rosalino with Kenton Presents and all of those so.
2: so probably like your early influences on the trombone were um, you think J.J. Johnson and J.J.'s yeah that's probably like number one
3: yeah yeah J.J.'s recording uh, the proof positive was a, was a strong influence on, on me I, I listened to it over and over and over mm. and I still have it
2: yeah the same one
3: no, I had to replace it, unfortunately. Because <laughs> you wore it out. <laughs> I, I did wear it out, but I... You know, many years ago, I lost a lot of things in a flood. And so oh, so you had to... <laughs> I had to go about replacing things. A
2: flood will do it.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, records don't float. Yeah.
2: <laughs> so then you you graduated, um, graduated high school, and then... Um, this was during what the '60s, right?
3: Yeah, I graduated '70, 1970.
2: 1970. Yes. Okay. So, um, I think um, our listeners may be aware there was a certain geopolitical event uh, going on uh, <laughs> during that time. Did you get involved in that?
3: Uh, not voluntarily. <laughs> <laughs> so you
2: got the call. <laughs> you got the call from Uncle Sam.
3: But I, but I did. I, I, I went into the Navy thinking that. I wouldn't have to uh, go to Vietnam, you know. But well, did they give you the, a
2: choice of the service when they uh, called well, you
3: up? When you when you learn your number, you you realize you have two options: you just accept your fate, or you try to change it.
2: <laughs> oh, so you once you got your number, <laughs>
3: then I I decided it's to enlist. time to to go in the navy, not the army. Cause okay. because everyone said if you if you get drafted and go in the army. You know what's going to happen,
2: right? So, yeah, or yeah, or right. could So happen. I
3: went for the Navy thing, and um, uh, they were—they actually were going to put me in a nuclear power program. I was supposed to be a nuclear power technician. Wow! On a on a on a craft. Oh. And And um, so while I was still in boot camp, they they said they were going to put me on a submarine. And I I said, well, don't those things stay underwater for like six months at a time? And they said, well, you know. They can. They can. That's what they did at the time. No, no, only three months. (laughs) Only three months. So it just seemed like six. So I I said, well, don't you guys have bands? Because I used to play trombone. And they said, well, you got to be really good. You got to play like Glenn Miller. Wow, so really? I said, well, I'll take my chances. So they brought me, from the from boot camp, they brought me over. This was right here in Orlando. They brought me to the Naval Training Center, where they had their band, gave me a trombone, and said, do you want to warm up? And I said, I haven't play, played play this thing in months. I'll just just give me some music and see what happens. So they gave me some music, and next thing I knew, was a, they had changed my orders and sent me to the Navy School of Music.
2: So where's the Navy School? That's in... And that's
3: in Norfolk, Virginia. Okay. And then I was assigned to a band in San Diego that was leaving in two weeks to to go to Vietnam. Okay. And so I ended up there anyway. Oh, but... But, I, but my only weapon of mass destruction was the trombone. <laughs> <laughs> Which happened to be a King 3B, and that's, that can well, be pretty powerful. It's biblical.
1: It's <laughs> biblical.
2: I'm not going to get into all that, but it is. That's great. Well, you know, most conductors will say that the trombone is a, a weapon of mass destruction. do look
3: at them. That's right. Don't, <laughs> don't only
2: encourage them, except for Aaron.
3: Yeah, Aaron.
2: <laughs> Aaron is the only uh, conductor I've played uh, for that actually, you know, encourages, encourages us. Yeah. And that's been like a constant topic on uh, the show over the years. Over well, you the, don't uh, hear
3: us complaining, month. do you? Oh, no, not at all. I'd
1: uh, like to point something out real quick. Patrick, you're not just seeing things. Yes, it's true. Eric is eating on air. Well, I wasn't going to say so anything, but uh,
0: we've actually been several episodes without any reference to the food here. But you probably heard the clinking and clanking. We've got some food. And, Eric, i, I got to tell you, you got a little something here stuck on the side of your, your yeah, lip corner. there with the beard here. Well, hey, that's, that's why you have you a
2: beard. You know, that way you can eat later. It,
3: you can save her. That's right. So, so for the audience,
2: uh, what, are you, what are you enjoying there? I have a um, fantastic breakfast burrito. It's got uh, salsa, sour cream on top. It's got bacon, onions, tomatoes, jalapeno. You hear how egg, he goes on and on and, and on just, on. He loves know, it. It's really good.
3: Food is very important to tuba players. That's right. <laughs> well, we'll be yes. talk, food and beer. We,
0: we'll be we're talking about making a second show, and it'll be all about food. And Eric just reviews different restaurants he's been to.
2: Right. Or, you know, we've been doing this thing the last two or three weeks, the uh, Barbecue Friday. And I'm having a great time doing that. I'm out out here you know burning meat you know <laughs> last week we had hot dogs bratwursts and uh italian sausages what'd you think of those italian sausages i thought they were great they were they were yummy they were yummy uh-huh. yeah last week i lent out my um speaker so we couldn't have tunes this week i got i got the speaker back so we're gonna have some tunes on the yes, porch on friday that sounds so we'll, great we'll be doing that we're gonna have we're gonna have a great time so try some andouille sausage Ooh, you know it's kind of. I've been looking for that. It's kind of hard and in to Hawaii, find
3: Portuguese sausage. Ooh, that'd be good. Yeah.
2: I love sausages. Patrick, are you, you know. sure you don't want a breakfast
3: burrito? No, I'm good. Thank Come you. Come on, breakfast would be on. Just watching Eric. Breakfast right. would be on. Master is on air. You be, know, if you're in the area,
2: us. you know you can stop by and. Uh, oh, I
3: came in the other day and got some coffee and, it, yeah. and they were cooking something. It was it was it smelled delicious, but I didn't have time.
2: Yeah. Well, you're a busy guy. I just grab my coffee and ran. You got a lot going on, so. So anyway, so anything. Because we're, you know, we only have an hour here. <laughs> Do <we> yeah, let's <laughs> move on. So moving right along. So, any um, anything you can regale us with about the Vietnam War that's fit for the airways? Uh, any, you know,
3: <laughs> well, a lot of things I can't tell you. But <laughs> well, that's what I figured. That's why classified. You know, we're, a, you classified. Know, we're a family show here, you know. But but, but I, I will say that you know, there's the, as far as a couple of the individuals, uh, mm-hmm. you know, we may have wanted to kill each other basically, but. <laughs> well over there but um but there's a friend of mine that lives in the villages now that that i i had not caught up with for many years and he's quite active still playing music but there was a our keyboard player was quite an inspiration for for a lot of us Mm -hmm. in that band and uh he is he is for the last many years has been the uh, head of musicology at the University of Missouri. Wow, and, that's that's and, good. And he's you know, and he, uh, he's just been honored by the university and so on. But but it was his influence and in that that was really key for me at that time in my life that I just really could not wait to get back to school, pursue my you know pursue academia, and uh, and eventually get my PhD in musicology. So. Mm. Um, he, which was, is, he was very influential. But He was
2: kind of like your inspiration. And kinda. he's
3: he's waiting for me still. He's the editor of the, uh, the the series of books for the College Music Society, and he's still waiting for an outline, which is about three years overdue. That he's got contracted me to write a book on. So I'm supposed to be doing a book, and I'm that's I'm, exciting. I'm late. <laughs> well, I
2: don't know if you ha- how you're going to find time to write a book, but um,
3: I, I was supposed to do that this summer, but apparently that's not going to happen.
2: Well, you never know. You're going to be busy with well, the jazz orchestra. And, so. and as far as a book goes, you know, I mean, it's just based on
1: your time. In other words, you can't place a, a time limit on some of those things. You can't. Right. Just however long it takes. You know, some people take, it takes three years.
3: Well, it's the researching that ta- and the travel required to do the researching that's the challenge. Yep. At this point. So anyway, that was, you know, that was very important. And then, so when I got back, we got back to Vietnam, and Mm -hmm. eventually I got out of the service. Right. I served my three years, one month, and 25 days, but who's counting?
2: Right. (laughs) (laughs) You've already counted. I went back to to. college. Okay. uh,
3: Couldn't wait. So
2: so where'd you go to college then?
3: Well, I... We were in Long Beach when I got back from Vietnam. Okay. And so I decided to stay there because while I was still in the service, I started studying commercial arranging with mm-hmm. with a gentleman who led the jazz program at Cal State Long Beach. His name okay. is John Prince. Uh-huh. And he was he did a lot of writing for the Tonight Show Band and right. so on. So I was studying with him and, and didn't have any money, of course, and, you know... Um, he never charged me. He, wow. Every time I try to pay, he, he not only didn't charge me for the lesson, but we would have our le- our lessons at a coffee shop, Hoff's Hut in Long Beach, and uh, and he would buy me lunch and not charge me for the lesson, and then say, "Okay, here's your assignment. See you next week." Wow. Hoff's Hut, same time. Well, and, and you never you you never forget things for you, like this. I didn't do any. I I didn't. So wow, I I just said I want to play for this guy. So that's really how I ended up. At, at at Long Beach State, it's playing for him. But but prior to that, mm-hmm. I was I was at Long Beach City College okay. to establish my state residency. So I got a okay. Long Beach State.
2: Right, because in, I'm not sure if it is now, but in California back then, if you were a resident, the in-state tuition was really oh, low. It
3: was amazing, right? How I, low it was at that time. It was just amazing. But if you were out
2: of state, <laughs> then forget it. I have to
3: tell you. Uh, $10 a semester, full-time tuition yeah, that's, that's at the City College. Yeah, So even I could afford that. Yeah, that's
2: <laughs> unbelievable. And we were talking about that off the air. That's how you met um, Don Staples.
3: Yes, and and Ron Logan, who—Ron um, Logan was my band director at Long Beach City okay. College, who later went on to be one of the uh, v- senior vice presidents, I guess, uh, uh, at—, at Disney Corporation, right, and he was at and, Disney World for many years, right. and it and was Ron that set me up with Don Staples.
2: Right. And if our w- r- listeners aren't aware, Don Staples was the um, first trombone in the Lawrence Walk Orchestra from when they started, switched from black and white to color until they you know, closed the show down. He's right. a very good friend of mine, and he's going to be one of the people I want to you know, get on the show, too. And he's a great, great guy, so...
3: Yeah, so Don and I've been, you know, we've lost touch with each other for a long time. But he was my teacher for, for a couple of years at that point. Right. Yeah. And Don's uh, a great, great trauma. Yeah, and player. he's he's responsible for me, <laughs> basically being here in person today.
2: That's right, it, because he brought you.
3: He 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 talked me house. into coming to coming to visit this area because we. I had uh well this is a fun this is kind of funny, I think. Anyway, so Michelle and I are sitting in Hawaii in Honolulu, uh living up in Wilhelmina Rise area, for those of you in Hawaii who might be listening. <laughs> and we're watching Lawrence Welk. There was a it was one of those PBS special fundraising things and so they were showing Lawrence Welk. And and I I went up to the TV and I told Michelle, I said, See that guy right there? And I pointed to Don's face and I said, I used to study with him. And she says Really? I said, Yeah, it was like back in the early seventies. She says, Oh, he's probably dead by now.
1: <laughs> I'm sure Don will enjoy that. Oh man. So, love I, that.
3: so I immediately first commercial break, I immediately go to the computer, I find Don and I send him an email.
2: And, and, and you said that Michelle thinks you're dead. No, you we didn't. didn't I didn't I'm not in the you email didn't say it like that. But we did later I'm tell sure. him that.
3: And he he had a good laugh about it. I'm sure he enjoyed that. <laughs> So, um, so I contacted Don, and then he, you know, we started communicating, and he's, he, you know, we said we were moving and looking for a place, and you know, we were thinking about New Orleans, but we were kind of open to suggestions, and that's how he brought us out here. He convinced us to visit.
2: Wait, 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 wait a minute! <laughs> you were talking about you were in Hawaii. How'd you get from LA to Hawaii?
3: Yeah, sorry, we 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 jumped a couple of decades there. All right, why don't you? Uh...
2: So, uh, why don't you get us to Hawaii? I'm in Long
3: Beach, and, okay. and I, I finished my schooling. But I at, at Cal State Long Beach was had okay. a fantastic jazz program. Right. Little time in Las Vegas, back to Long Beach. There's a strike in the in the LA area, musicians and actors, and mm-hmm. nothing's going on. So, opportunity. You know, musicians always seek opportunity. So, I took the bold move and found myself in Hawaii. And
2: but what were you doing in Hawaii to start anyway? Well.
3: Uh, well, I was working at the electric company to start.
2: Yeah, really, at the electric <laughs> but,
3: company, but, but only for six months because I found myself, uh, you know, getting in touch with the, or being called by other musicians, and you know how musicians are—we like to we right. like to hang out and so on. So. Right. Next thing I knew, I started doing a lot of work and so on, and then. Oh, so you kind of just went and, there, kind of cold. Uh, just out of the blue, take a chance and see wow. what happens. Wow, that's really and I, that's and, really something. You know, kind of based on, um, kind of based on a conversation I had with a, with a guy named Gary Holopoff, trumpet player. I'm, I'm waiting at a bus stop in, in Long Beach, and I meet this guy, and and uh, he says. He says he was in Hawaii for, you know, some time playing gig and I just asked him how it was. He says, oh, it's great. You should go sometime and so on. It's like, okay, well, there's the seed. The seed is planted.
1: So that was the seed. Yeah, That basically. was the big Hawaii seed. Is anything else but new? Picture a hula girl swaying. Picture a beautiful moon. Picture an orchestra playing an old Hawaiian tune. Melody sad would never be rare in the Hawaii. Strange as it seems, melodious dreams come true. The moon about that brand new thing from hopefully the original land of swing
2: Ooh. all right that's a that's a great song now what what song was that
3: uh Tropical swing there was a that was actually a group do you remember the nouveau swing? Period in the late '90s, early 2000s. Kinda, absolutely. Well, well, that was a group that we put together in Hawaii called the uh, Hula Joe and the Hut Jumpers. Oh, I love that name. And and uh, and we did a lot of really terrific music. In fact, that CD we made uh, garnered like five star. Uh, reviews wow. nationally wow. as well. Wow, that's
0: really cool. Which must have meant it told, sold terribly. Yeah, it sold three, <laughs> three copies, and that's I bought a, one of them.
1: It was a five-star, so <laughs> yeah. that's good. i got to ask you,
0: have you ever heard of the Cherry Poppin' Daddies? Oh, yeah.
1: Really?
3: Yeah. Oh, sure. We did yeah. a lot of all those tunes. Yeah, one yeah. of those uh, So we guys, covered a lot of those as well. I went to
1: school
0: with one of those guys. Um, yeah, the uh, bass player, actually. Uh, but, but, super cool. But, now, but i got to bridge the two. If you were playing that kind of music, it, you couldn't have been wearing zoot suits in Hawaii.
3: Oh, no. We were doing Aloha shirts. Okay. Yeah. yeah. it was. We had to maintain our tropical slash Hawaiian identity. Because it'd be
2: too hot to wear a zoot suit.
3: Oh, yeah. Yeah. You so. couldn't even find one there. No.
2: You'd have to, like, <laughs> import it in from yeah. the States.
3: Yeah. Yeah. We, we did a lot of those. So it was a lot of fun. That was a that was a fun band. We worked a lot. It was, you know... And we were all freelancers. We were all... In fact, some of them were my former students at the university, and others were people in the freelance community. So we all just came together and... Oh, that's really cool.
2: So when you first, you know, after you worked for the electric company and then started freelancing, so what were some of the groups that you uh, played with?
3: Well, we we did a lot of convention. Uh, It was all, you know, it was, through contracting. Mm-hmm. You know, remember the old days of contractors and musicians? And right. So that's, you know... that.
2: Uh, right, you had to have a pager.
3: So, they, well, yes. And there were several contractors. And Honolulu was funny because there were all these contractors, but there was only one pool of musicians. So it didn't... You know, in L.A., you have to, you have to align yourself with, with certain individuals. But in Hawaii, you kind of controlled it. So whoever... You let them fight it out because you knew you were going to get called. Because so, there's
2: only so many musicians.
3: Yeah, and so we did a lot of uh, a lot of great industrial shows, mm-hmm. headliners, mm-hmm. Broadway shows, okay. touring shows that would come through. Cool. Everything, every well, you name yeah, it. The general that's, public that's that's isn't privy okay. to the fact
1: yeah. that a lot of that stuff, you know, happens behind the scenes. All they know is they wow, it's a great product, or listen to these guys jam, well, and they don't realize all the behind the scenes stuff. Yeah,
3: that's I love what that's the, behind, you're known the
2: for behind
3: the scenes. You know, well, you, that that's a good point too, because like one one time we played I played for Sammy Davis Jr. many times Mm -hmm. and I remember specifically after one show uh, these people came up and said wow that was such a great show how long have you been how long have you been uh with touring with Sammy Davis and I had to explain that it was a pickup band and it was all local people and the fact that we only not only did we have only one rehearsal that afternoon but we didn't really rehearse the show George Rhodes was Sammy Davis's music director, and and he would he would look at the he'd he'd say okay the look on the left side pull out these two or three selections, and so we'd pull them out, we'd play through them. He'd say okay, put them back. Shows on the right side. See you tonight. Call time seven (laughs) thirty. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's one of the things. When I you know, got involved with the symphony, I was very surprised to learn. I just assume for the shows they were doing, it would be you know months worth of practice. And Eric, you say you often might practice four hours, yeah. or, you know, or well, uh, you know one
2: day, Saturday maybe two was, days. Saturday wasn't even. Yeah. That sometimes wise. they get together <laughs> literally
0: a couple of hours ahead of time.
2: Yeah.
3: Yeah. Yeah. We right. had like two and a half hours Saturday. That's pretty incredible. We, did right. we didn't know
2: what we were playing until we saw the saw the book so it's kind of like the real world oh yeah a little bit Little bit.
3: Yeah. You you handed the music, and you're as a freelance musician, and which is what I in college. That's what I wanted to be. I didn't want to be an orchestral player. Uh, I wish my jazz playing was better, but you know you're not going to make a living, you know, in being a jazz musician per se.
0: You could be a busker in New Orleans.
3: Well, I but yes, I could.
0: Make, you know, make uh, beignet money.
3: <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it's a it's a it's a craft. It's a it's a highly specialized thing. And the idea is that you're able to come in and play the show like Sammy Davis' show. We literally sight-read the entire show the first time. The entire show, from opening to closing. And that's what's expected. And when a Broadway show comes through, you have the morning rehearsal uh, with just the orchestra. And then you have the afternoon rehearsal with some of the soloists, solo singers. And then you have the sound check. And then you do the show that night. That's all the rehearsal you get, and then you do a two- or three-week run, or maybe four <laughs> months, depending on what the show is. Very impressive.
1: Well, I'd like to take this time to, to maybe talk a little bit about Symphony for Good and then come back to Pat. Sure. All right, we can do that. So where are we?
2: What's the, the latest? Symphony for not Good to, not is, to doing, get derailed, but, is doing excellent right now. Yeah? Uh, I just checked with um, the financial department, and they uh, told me that uh, we're already at 30% of our goal. Which is really great. As I mentioned on the on the concert on Saturday, I've been going to the mailbox. I've been getting a lot of envelopes. Going to the mailbox? Yeah, I love. How many getting, times a day? I just go once a
1: day. Well, sometimes you go twice. Like if you go too early and miss. Oh yeah, you yeah. Go back. Well, okay. I try not right. to go early and miss. Uh, right. But
0: <laughs> well, anyway, just so you know, they only come once a day.
2: Right. That's right. They uh, <laughs> deliver it once a day. So anyway, go to the mailbox. There's been a lot of envelopes. I really appreciate all your support, but it's not too late if you haven't given yet, or if you've already given, want to give some more, you know? Well, wait a second, though. You covered up the
0: headline we were talking before the show. What was the headline? Well, a week ago, you know, relatively due, we just announced it a couple of weeks ago. Last week, we were up to 15% uh, achievement, Mm -hmm. and in one week, we've gone from 15% to 30%. That's That's very good.
2: I know. It is great. I mean... Our patrons are great. They really support us. That's a really good percentage. I agree with Jeremy. I like that. you know, like I said last week, we were, you know, over at the River House, you know, having a phone calling party, and, you know, (laughs) we're calling up people. I'm, you know, talking to people while they're making their dinner and stuff. And it's
1: a big party over there. We have the coffee going. We have the, uh, what else do we have over there? You know, the snacks,
2: phone, snacks. The phones, the are lights going. are all on. I mean, that's it's right. lit it's, up. It's wild. It's the River wild.
1: House is rocking. That's right. Yes. And,
2: you know, I think people uh, appreciate that when you're calling up because you know I really enjoy talking. They to love our it. They love to get phone calls from us. So, so anyway, if you haven't given yet and you want to, you know, give, and then you can be on the list and you'll get a phone call next sure, year. It's so. not too late. That's right. Give, give exactly if you can. If you I can, I mean, we can certainly use the support. Exactly. All right. So getting back to you know. The symphony and everything um what are some of the other groups that or the shows that you played in in well, Honolulu?
3: we had mentioned sammy davis and and there were so many others but one really one time that really stood out was frank sinatra we did sinatra and uh liza minnelli and oh i can't it was a kind of a rat pack thing was
2: dean martin uh no was it wasn't still? dean
3: this is after dean had passed okay and I, I'm not sure if Sammy Davis was still alive. I can't remember now. But anyway, it was a, you know, a terrific show in the arena, sold out, mm-hmm. jam packed, and um, uh, it was quite quite an event. And I remember Jim Hunsinger was playing lead trombone. He traveled with the band, and uh, his 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 advice to me, like I was playing second to him, and he says. Yeah, you, never re- you never rehearse with the stars. You're, they're never there. You just run through the music, and, and then that's it. So on the show, it's the first time you see him. And so Jim turns to me after the rehearsal and says, i got to tell you this. He says, Frank's going to try to intimidate you. He has this habit of standing over the band because it's an <laughs> elevated stage. Mm-hmm. He says, when, when we have our, our ensemble piece, the, un- the instrumental portion, he's going to stand there. He's going to be standing there tall with his arms folded looking right at you. <laughs> Says whatever you do, don't look up, don't look at him. He will fluster you. <laughs>
0: I, I think I know where this story is
3: going. No, no. So, so <laughs> Did I. Did you stay strong? I, I stayed strong. I it was mentally strong. I, you know, because that that really wasn't my concern. My my job is always to play the show perfectly, you know, if possible, and uh, and so. I did I saw I could see him come and I saw I, I could see you know, peripherally the, the feet and I knew he was there but I stayed and I, I played it and I did not mess up and when we're done the chart Jim gives me a little pat on the leg like good job wow. <laughs> good, so, good, good. but that's the that's the show that really stood out and after Sinatra had passed one of the one of the groups uh, I, I began playing with early on was the Honolulu Symphony just mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, wonderful wonderful or- uh, orchestra First rate, really first rate. And uh, so after Sinatra had passed, we did a tribute to Sinatra. And wow. Jimmy Borges, who's who's a terrific singer in Honolulu, uh, was the was the the Sinatra for the night. Uh, and uh, and so we managed to get the arrangements. The same arrangements are played for, for, with Sinatra at that show we we mentioned earlier. Oh, wow, that's cool. Uh, we got the, the, the original Sinatra arrangements loaned loaned to us by the estate. To 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 do that show and uh, and what a great evening that was as well. Jimmy's a Jimmy's a, a first class entertainer and singer, and and I you know we have a clip to to listen to of I've got you under my skin and this recording is Jim Decker on trombone. He was a principal trombone player. He's professor of trombone at Texas Tech now, and we remain close friends to this day. And a, a small bit of trivia on this: the original trombone solo was that. Uh, 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 Milt Bernhardt was the, was, the, was the soloist. And it took... Frank Sinatra was, was a perfectionist in every way. And in the studio, he just kept wanting another take. He kept wanting another take. Well, after, after the first 10 takes, Bernhardt was saying he's shot, but Sinatra still wanted to go. Well, I think that's like take number 22 or, no, or 23 that we hear on the, on, on the recording today. Yeah, and... And he, and Bernhardt was kind of short, and the mics were up. And so they even put this little stool out for, so when, when the, the engineer said, I need you to get closer to the mic. So he had to stand up on this little box and stay balanced while he played into the mic to play that solo. And that was the original. So, but on this recording, it's Jim Decker. i
2: That's a great clip. I'm really uh, glad you brought that in. I love that trombone solo. <laughs> it's that's crazy. What, it is. That's that one of is my, crazy. It's <laughs> one of my favorites. It's a good solo. And we did that with uh, Jeff Shadley, that, that tune. So you're doing all this interesting stuff. Any other uh, group, interesting groups that you played with that our uh, listeners would be interested in?
3: Well, I want to tell you that uh, uh, my main job, my full-time job in Hawaii for for. Over 26 years was was with a group called the Royal Hawaiian Band. Aren't you uh,
2: elucidate it's, it's, on that? Because our listeners, I'm sure, unless they're from Hawaii, have no idea what the Royal yeah. Hawaiian. is. Well, just band pi- is.
3: just picture a municipal band, any you know, like in in any city. Except this is this is a band that is t- still functional today. It's been around since 1836, founded by King Kamehameha III, and it's the only full time, fully funded professional municipal band in the country
2: wow and, and they're celebrated
3: and and they're you know well they say they were famous but most people haven't heard of us but but it's a, yeah that was my full-time job and it was five to six days a week we played over 300 something performances a year wow and at almost all outdoors and i'm i'm on a state of hawaii pension because of that organization, Wow. and it was—it's it, uh, the only living link to the Hawaiian monarchy, and that—that wow, think that wow thats cool. It's, because of its place in Hawaiian history, it, it, I think that is the sole reason why that organization is still functioning today and still vital and important to the Hawaiian community and to the and to the. Uh, uh, community and, ge- and uh, as a whole. So I brought in a clip this morning. It's it's the Royal Hawaiian Band at Carnegie Hall in 1988. It's a live recording. Wow. And uh, this particular clip is is, is a song called Koni Au, K O N I A U. It's by King Kalakaua, and Kalakaua was one of the one of the two monarchs who who actually knew how to read music Well, no he didn't read music but he was a composer and uh, he composed this selection he was known as the Merry Monarch because he, he loved to imbibe and, and, and have parties <laughs> and so on at his private yacht that's,
1: and, that's, I like that, that's and cool so this
3: is often referred to as the King's Drinking Song Coney L So I, so I spent 26 years with the Royal Hawaiian Band as a as a principal trombone player. Oh, that's cool. But just before, like five months before I got hired by the Royal Hawaiian Band, I was hired at the by the University of Hawaii to direct the jazz ensemble, and I kind of fell into that job too. This you know I, I've I've been so lucky and blessed in so many so in so many ways. So this job. I, the the previous director was named Abe Weinstein, and he was a prominent musician in the freelance scene, band leader, etc. And he was directing the band, the program, for a couple of years. Well, he liked to bring in musicians to kind of bolster the, the 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 band to to make it help it sound better. And so he asked if I would come in and and play the last concert, play the concert. So I did. This was December of. Uh, I can't remember now. <laughs> December 1982. So I played the concert, and then afterwards, he pulls me aside and he says, uh, "You have a college degree, don't you?" And at the time, I had a bachelor's degree in trombone performance. You know, one of those highly lucrative uh, degrees. That's a
2: very impressive piece of paper. The he, trombone performance. Yes, it is. Degree. It it's, is impressive. Uh,
3: so, so I said, "Yes, I do." He says, "Well, would you? You know, he's going to take a semester off. Would I be interested in doing and taking over for him?" I said, "Well, absolutely. i I'd, I'd love it." So about two weeks later, I get a call from, from uh, the head of the School of Music. And he brings me in for an interview, Bob, Dr. Bob Hines. And we talked for about an hour or so. But not once did we talk about the jazz band or jazz or anything like that. He, he, he knew the choral director at Long Beach State where I did my undergraduate, Frank Pooler, who was a, a world-famous conduct, choral conductor as well. So we talked about the coral program at Long Beach State for like an hour, and at the end of the interview, he says, "Okay, well, uh, I'll, I'll I'll send along my reference to the personnel committee, and we'll we'll get you started in January." Wow. And that's, that's
2: how I got hired. That's, that's pretty cool. That is. Cool. And I last
3: and I stayed there for 25 years as an adjunct, built oh. a program from from you know from scratch basically to having done a lot of tour, uh, played several festivals, national festivals wow. uh, through audition and inv- invitation. Oh, wow, that's cool.
1: Dr. Hennessy. I got to tell you, your life sounds like an adventure.
3: <laughs>
1: so do you
2: have a, I uh, like do that. we have a clip of, the, of do. the band?
3: I I'd like to play something from the, it was, this was, uh, this clip is a piece by Russ Friedman called Made in Mexico. It's an arrangement by a former student of mine, my former lead trombone player, from the University of Hawaii, Nathan Tonoy, who's doing wonderful work. He's with the uh, music director for uh, Celine Dion now. Wow. And this is his arrangement that we performed live at the North Texas Jazz Festival in 2007. It's called Made in Mexico. <laughs> so that was made in Mexico you know and the great thing about these jobs were it allowed me enough time uh, to to continue my education I had kind of dropped my my master's studies in LA a few years earlier so I realized all of my students were passing me by with their education at, and I was I had I was the least qualified academically so I decided I, I should finish my master's. So I, I ended up having to do my entire master's over again, and I did it at the oh. University of Hawaii.
2: So they weren't, you weren't able to transfer any credits or anything? No,
3: I, I, my 10-year period had just expired. Oh, they said, well, you have to do man. it over. So oh. I did. And I did a music education. Mm-hmm. And so since I had the momentum, I decided to keep going and, and uh, get my PhD. What's, which I ended up at What's the your University PhD and what it's in musicology? Wow, it's musicology. Why don't you uh,
2: just explain to our listeners just briefly what musicology is? Because oh, I don't even know if we know what well, it. doctor <laughs> you know, of music.
3: Just like any other ology, it's basically the science of. So it's the it's the science of, of studying of how music histories are, are, are written and how they're studied and how they're viewed, and there are many approaches to to that, and that's what that's what uh, musicology does. It looks at the way. It's not just—it's not just about the facts. It's—it's it's about the interpretations and and putting into context, cultural context and sociological context.
2: But what was your uh, dissertation?
3: My dissertation was on was goes back to the Royal Hawaiian Band. My dissertation really? was on Henry Berger, who was director, the bandmaster of the Royal Hawaiian Band from 1872 to 1915, and in that period he was a Prussian Prussian Army uh, musician who had just. Co- Qualified for to be a Kapellmeister or bandmaster in the Prussian Army, and he was sent to Hawaii by the Prussian King uh, to, to fulfill a request by King Kamehameha V to take over to reorganize the King's band, which was the Royal Hawaiian Band. And so he 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 got it back on its feet and and organized and so on and moved it forward from there to the point where by by 19. 1914, on his 70th birthday, Queen Liliuokalani referred to Henry Berger as the father of Hawaiian music. Wow. And so my dissertation is on the life and and times of Henry Berger Wow that's no, wow. very interesting that's that
1: you um, studied in Hawaii like you did because you have that uh, experience and that's different than if you had studied here in the states yeah and I think that's uh, something that you know you take
0: wherever you go so
3: I would have I, I would have studied I like jazz history more if, if I if I was studying here in the mainland sure mm-hmm
0: well, speaking of the mainland, the, uh, the hour is uh, slowly but steadily slipping away, and we still have to get you back to so, the mainland and how you ended up yeah, in Florida. Well,
3: well, after, you know, so, so I get my Ph.D., I get hired by another university. I leave the University of Hawaii, and I, I serve five years as director of bands at Hawaii Pacific University. So now I have experience, in a, you know, building a comprehensive band program I, you know, for five years, which wore me out, took a lot out of me, uh, but my kids were fantastic uh, so, so I eventually decide to move on. I we do a West Coast tour, and at the end of the tour, I I tell him I'm leaving, and a very emotional scene, and I, I I end up here in Florida.
0: Before we leave, I'm going to ask a very stereotypical question: All your years in Hawaii, did you have run-ins with Don Ho? <laughs> I
3: played for Don Ho. Okay,
0: wow, really? that's a good got, question, Jeremy. You got to Jeremy. tell him one
3: of those stories. Yeah, and I I I I, I worked his show. Uh, you know at first subbing as a sub and then you know more regular after after a while and it was at the hilton hawaiian village and and the, the showroom was a dome and the, it was the stage setting it was a volcano you know all the usual stuff and uh yeah, yeah so it, and it was don was very friendly it, and I, I played for his funeral we it, he was buried at uh, in the ocean off waikiki and wow. it was a huge ceremony and so uh played played at, at at that ceremony, too.
0: All right. N- thank you. Now I'm satisfied. Now okay. you can fast-forward it back to the mainland.
3: <laughs> so, so I, I, you know, I, I leave my pos- my position at Hawaii Pacific University and I, I'm back. Now I'm here in Florida. And, uh, Thankfully, I get active with you know, freelancing. Uh, a contractor named Craig Turley starts to hire me, and I'm I'm driving all over creation doing And I've doing played shows a couple of those and, and jobs you and, with you. Those, yeah, are,
2: those are a lot of fun.
3: They're a lot of fun, and and always first rate musicians you're playing with. Uh, then I, I I meet Jamie Youngkin at, at Florida Florida Tech, and she she has me teach uh, Florida uh, teach music theory there for a year. Well, in the meantime. And on on our excursions with with Craig Turley right. playing these shows, that's where I met Don Waldrup, and Don Waldrup was a uh, really a legendary tuba tuba slash bass trombonist in the Los Angeles uh, studio scene. And I knew who he was in L.A. when I lived there, but I never got to work with him because he was what we as, we were aspiring to.
2: Right, because he so, was, he is a legend.
3: Oh yeah, so now I'm working with him, and we're, we're sharing rides, so we're driving with him. He had just gotten the, the Job at, as director of the jazz ensemble at Stetson, and he had never done anything uh, along those lines. So he was he was badgering me. I, I'm trying to ask him on our long rides about his career, and he's trying to and he's asking me, okay, so what do I do? Where do I get the music? I, so we're <laughs> that's really funny. Yeah. So then I, he asked me to come up and, and help out, and so on. So I I started going up to Stetson and helping, and so on. Well, un- you know, unfortunately, when Don took ill, I filled in for him, and uh, and that's how I got my foot in the door at Stetson. It was because of Don Waldrop, mm-hmm. and now that sadly, Don is Don passed this past December, and um, so I I just finished my first full year. I've been there a year and a half, but I finished my first full year as a director of jazz at, at Stetson, and I just thoroughly, thoroughly enjoy it.
2: And we were talking about like a little bit off the air that. You know, if uh, our listeners, if they have a uh, young, you know, young adult, you know, high school, and they're looking for a college, I oh, mean, there yeah. are some, and it's a good music school, and there's, you know, there's I'm scholarship a, money. Yeah, well, available.
0: for those that don't know, how about an explanation of what is the institution, where is it located, yes. who typically would attend?
3: Well, Stetson University is, is located in DeLand. It's about an hour north of Flor uh, of Orlando and uh, it's it 's primarily a classical uh, the, they emphasize the classical more so than anything but it's a it 's a school of music it's a, it 's very high standards as a, as a university uh, it's very difficult to get into and um, you know the jazz is is one of their major ensembles that that, that they offer so they, they recruit the best musicians they can find they don 't necessarily recruit for for any particular uh, you know any particular group? They just recruit outstanding musicians. So the musicians in at sets and aren't necessarily you know, on jazz scholarships. We don't have anything called jazz scholarship, but we do offer music scholarships. So you know I'm always on the lookout for that that pianist who who might be a chemistry major but happens to play great jazz piano, you know, or that lead trumpet player who's a physics major, or I mean even even if they're music major is great, you know. But I, I, always need a good lead, lead trumpet player. I always need a good jazz pianist, a drummer, and anybody else that can improvise. I'm, I'm on the lookout for. Oh, Our so kids do great. I'm, 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 very, very happy to be there.
2: The parents, if you're listening. Uh, oh we've, yes, we've got a spot for your son <laughs> you, or daughter.
3: A friend of mine who's a, who's in the Florida Symphony, uh, uh, told me couple, uh, last year I was playing a, uh, a thing with him. He's, you know, we were talking about schools. And he said, in his in his opinion, he, he does a lot of teaching. He says, he says he feels that Stetson University has the best has the best music program in in the state. He really? says if, if he was gonna that's send, because you're there, right? If he was going to send his student to any school, Stetson would be in Florida. Stetson would be number one.
0: What I heard was scholarships
3: are available. Yes, they are available. And let me tell you, uh, it's not just that the the School of Music. The university president the, and the university as a whole wholeheartedly supports the school of music, and that's that's you know, that is that is tremendous. Uh, the the, the There's a lot the of schools that's not like that. No, no. Usually, you're you're out there battling on your own and getting you know uh, getting whatever breadcrumbs are left over. Um, but the university supports our, the School of Music tremendously and even, even has mandated that all the major ensembles perform on uh, a um, tour, go on tour. And all the tours are fully... We don't have to go out and sell donuts or anything. All the, Or a grapefruit. Everything's funded by, by, fully funded by the university. So wow. the, the students... Uh, all their expenses are paid.
2: So, if you taken the jazz ensemble on a not yet, tour? Not where yet. are you that gonna go?
3: But uh, well, we have to we have to see what's available. Oh, that'll be great. You know, but well, I'm thinking for now we we're, we're probably gonna do a, a in-state tour. Okay, you know, that's, that's a good way to get started. That's done quite a bit. So yeah, either Florida's in-state state. or maybe up into Georgia a little bit. We'll yeah. see. It's a
2: big state. So yeah. All right. So then we're. Um, here and then you're going to be conducting the um, Space Coast Symphony Jazz Orchestra. That's going to start in June. Yes. I don't think we have the we have the season announced. but I don't think we have the date. We don't of the have first the dates concert. until June first. None right.
1: of
3: the dates are going to be made right. official but you'll until June first. Uh,
2: our listeners will be the first to know when those dates are.
3: Well, the 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 jazz orchestra. I
2: know it's going to be in June sometime. It's supposed to
3: premiere on June 13th and 14th. Oh, there (laughs) you go.
2: June 13th and 14th. You're letting the cat out of the bag. I like getting the cat out of the bag. Aaron, I didn't do it. I didn't say it. Dr. Hennessy did. I had a
3: meeting with Aaron a a few Uh, days ago. Okay, well, all right.
2: See, that's the beauty of listening to our show. You know what's going on before anybody does. (laughs) That's right. Our (laughs) listeners know what's
1: going on before anybody else. That's right, and
2: that's why I tell people when I make my little announcements before the concerts, if you want to know what's going on, listen to the podcast. Yes. Because we've got it you know the horse's mouth so to speak
3: and we're going to be you know the focus is going to be on on uh, serious big band jazz uh, we want we want to play what our audience expects us to play in a way, but i don 't want to play it in the same way I want to do there are so many tremendous arrangements of 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 the classics of the of the American songbook that I think we can tap into that that I know that our audience will will you know, like the the, like the the version of the Don Menza arrangement of the, of take the A train rather than the Duke Ellington arrangement of take the A train.
2: It's going to be like the Great American Songbook with a twist.
3: With a twist, with you know, and and our audiences at Stetson have responded extremely well to to this approach. Okay, uh, we're they're growing. We've, we're 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 filling up our room now. And uh, And so I think the Space Coast audience is going to really enjoy this as well
2: I think's retreat like I, think right. I think you're right I think yeah. especially I know down in Vero Beach they're crazy about jazz down there, so yeah. I think it's going to really be great i'm really looking forward to and it and of
3: course i 'm going to program things that that you know maybe aren't as familiar but but certainly in the in the vein of big band you know true big band jazz and and I think that our all of our audiences are uh, you know, are informed enough to know that that, that it's good music, right? So it you're not doing any? Be, it. You don't have to be play, playing Benny Goodman's version. It's just good music. So you're really not going to be doing any
2: Don Ellis or anything like that. Well,
3: <laughs> no. oh, maybe not yet.
2: Okay, maybe. But I be, love Don Ellis. Yeah, music. that'll be next next year. Yeah. So. All right. Well, I think um, I think that probably about wraps up everything that we've got unless you have anything else to regale uh, final thoughts to regale our uh,
3: well i am going to be listening. doing some, some uh, i have a wind band uh program i'll be conducting coming you know up what, too with the space what, coast winds with
2: the uh, space coast wind on something that, do you know when that's going to be or well, is are we're,
3: we're unsure it is it it's either going to be july or october we're, uh, we have to wait for the uh, schedule to settle okay, down but, you know and i'm even planning on featuring eric uh-oh. On a, on a tuba solo from from a from a uh, from a that's a Norwegian composer.
1: Oh, Eric, you're going to be more
2: famous. I'm looking forward to You're going to be featured. It's, it's unbelievable.
3: I can't fathom him being any more famous, but we're going <laughs> right,
2: to... Well, it. I'm looking forward to uh, this... Uh, this piece you're gonna feature yeah. me on, so you might want to get me the music. So,
3: <laughs> so, <laughs> so know, no, we, we, we
2: heard that you can just get it, you know, an hour before the performance. Well, the depends on it. how hard it is. If it's, a, <laughs> if it's a feature, I need a little bit more time than that. So,
1: Patrick, I got to tell you, thank you very much for joining us in the show today. We uh, we appreciate it. Oh, thank yeah, you. it has flown by. It's been interesting. It's been fun. Uh, we do have one last thing to touch on. Our Besides, last concert of the
2: season. Okay. What are the dates? Um, the 23rd. Right, uh, Saturday, May 23rd yeah. at the Scott Center at 7 p.m. Right. And then, and then uh, the 20, Sunday. The 24th. May 24th at 3 p.m. in beautiful Vero Beach. Earth Odyssey. Earth Odyssey. The gonna The Space be
0: Coast Symphony season sign-off. That's
1: right.
2: <laughs>
0: be-
1: I like that. In conjunction with NASA, it's going to be a big deal.
2: Right, with these images of Earth, it's going to be spectacular. And, sure. you know, we didn't even get a chance to talk about Gate. We didn't talk about the flake
3: game.
0: Thankfully, yes, we did not get a chance Maybe to talk, talk about, about that. Maybe we talk about next week. It'll still be current, I'm sure. <laughs> well, this is Bill Trudeau. And Eric Lee. I'm Jeremy Hickman. And our special guest, Patrick Hennessy, reminding you as always, we'll, we'll see you at the show. You've been listening to Maestro's On Air, brought to you by the Space Coast Symphony Orchestra. Remember, you can support the symphony in many ways, including a visit to Maestro's Cafe, located just inside the main entrance to the Brevard Central Library and Reference Center, 308 Forest Avenue, Cocoa, Florida. Maestro's Cafe serves a variety of coffee and other drinks, as well as breakfast and lunch selections, and is open most days from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m., with extended hours on Tuesday and Thursday, closed Sunday. For more information about the symphony or upcoming concerts, like us on Facebook, or visit our webpage at spacecoastsymphony.org. And remember, as always, we'll see you at the show.
2: A Peak Velocity Production.